Good morning. Happy Easter weekend. Uh, my name is David Sorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, you know, one of the most powerful memory triggers, they say, is sound, uh, especially music. Uh, not that long ago, I heard uh, this song that just emotionally transported me back to 2003. Uh, in 2003, I was dating my now wife, and I, I remember I was nervously going over to her house uh, to <clears throat> ask her parents for permission to ask um, my now wife. I gave it away, I guess, what they were going to say, uh, <laughs> if, they could marry, if I could marry her. And um, they said yes. And I just remember getting back in my car and it being really one of the happiest uh, experiences, moments I'd ever felt in my life up to that point. And I get in the car, uh, and I'm driving through the streets of Cambridge, Minnesota, and this song comes on, it's by Ginny Owens called Free. It's just kind of this upbeat, uh, exciting song, and I just remember smiling ear to ear. I'm rolling the windows down. I'd crank windows, uh, by the way. <laughs> I'm rolling the windows down. I'm waving at strangers. Like, it just was this great moment in my life. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I randomly heard that song. I hadn't heard it in years. And it just immediately, the sound just transported me back. And perhaps you feel the same way when you hear your favorite jam from your high school prom, or you know, maybe it's your wedding song, whatever it is. Music, sound especially, has a way to just connect to our memory and to our heart in a way that almost nothing else does. And I want you to think about that as we get into our Bible passage this morning. So we are going to look at the uh, Easter account, uh, which maybe is no surprise to you. Um, but before we get there, let me give you just a tiny bit of a context. So before the first Easter, Jesus, the Son of God, had spent three years traveling around, teaching, uh, loving, uh, healing, doing the miraculous, all these things. But at the end of the three years, he was crucified. He was executed on a cross. And that happened on Friday of the original uh, Easter weekend. And then on Sunday of that same weekend, uh, many of Jesus's uh, women followers had gone to his tomb because they were going to begin to prepare his body for a proper burial, but when they got there, the tomb was empty. And at this point, uh, we're gonna join the story right there with one of his uh, followers named Mary Magdalene. So I actually love for everybody to grab a, a Bible. This Bible's under the chair in front of you, uh, or uh, I was gonna say under your chair if you're in the front row, but none of you sat in the front row, unbelievable. Okay, so we're on page uh, 741, so go ahead and grab that. We don't put it on the screen or anything like that, because uh, we, we want you to hold it, uh, see it, look at it, study it, uh, this is, uh, you are at a Bible teaching church, and that just means we teach through passages of the, passages of the Bible because we want to help you understand uh, what it says. So you're going to want to find uh, the big number 20, that's chapter 20 in the book of John, uh, and then the small number 11. We are at uh, verse 11. Okay, here's what it says. It says, now Mary, who's uh, one of his followers, stood outside the tomb crying, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who, who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabuni, which means teacher. 
Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Okay, so uh, let's kind of talk through this. First of all, who is this woman? Who is this woman, Mary Magdalene? So she was one of Jesus' Jesus's closest of followers. Now the Bible actually shockingly says that Mary, before she met Jesus, had been possessed. In fact, it says she was possessed by seven demons and Jesus delivered her from that. He set her free and he forgave her of her sins. And so Mary, in gratitude, has been following Jesus uh, everywhere. In fact, she was at the cross when he died, even though most of his disciples scattered, she was there, and she had the honor of being the very first person that Jesus Christ appeared to at his resurrection. But here, at the beginning at the tomb, she's not even recognizing Jesus, even though she followed him for years. So what gives, how does that even happen? What's going on here? So I wanna talk through this because I think this is important to learn from because I think there are many people today that miss seeing Jesus even though he's right there. So let me actually give you some reasons for why that is. So here's, here's the first reason, number one. Uh, number one, I think some people miss Jesus because of what I will call an emotional fog. So verse 11, it says that Mary is so distraught about Jesus's death, and now what she thinks is his missing body, that she's weeping. And when you're weeping like this, nothing makes sense. You know, maybe in my first, I was maybe in my first year or two of being a pastor, I once went to the house of a family uh, only hours after their daughter had unfortunately taken her life. And I, I remember this moment so well. When I got to their house and I walked into the house, there were people all over the house on the floor, literally not just weeping, but wailing. And to this day, I think many of the people that were there, they didn't even know that I came, that I was there. Because when your emotions are that intense, it's really difficult to make sense of even anything. In fact, one of the things that jumped out at me as I studied the passage this week was how Mary reacted to the two angels in the tomb. So in the Bible, there's a number of uh, angelic appearances, and almost every time the angels appear, people absolutely freak out, right? And you would probably too, right, if an angel just appeared in your room. And so they freak out, they cower in fear, but here is Mary, and Mary sees the angels, right? And she's just kind of like, uh, hey, yep, yep, nice to meet you, hello. Where's the body? And she doesn't even react, really, to angels in the tomb. And then it gets even crazier because Jesus himself appears right behind her. God has raised him from the dead. And then I love verse 15, right? Verse 15 says, thinking he was the gardener. Like, what? What? That's incredible. What's happening here? Well, she is in terrible grief. She had just seen this man, Jesus, her friend, be executed just a couple days earlier. She's weeping. Tears are streaming down her face, and she just says to this man who she thinks is the gardener, like, sir, if you've taken his body, just tell me. Like, I'll go, I'll go put it back. Like, well, how's she going to do that? So what's happening here is Mary is grieving, and she's confused 
She's mad because she thinks somebody stole the body of Jesus. And she's kind of just got her head down. She's laser focused on just getting done what she needs to get done. And I think a lot of people in life get stuck kind of right there. And that's sort of emotional fog like Mary. And maybe you found yourself there. Maybe for you, life has been hard lately. Maybe you've lost someone. Maybe you've lost a friendship or a relationship or even a marriage. And maybe in the pain of whatever you've had to go through, maybe you feel a little bit like Mary where you've just kind of got your head down, the tears are coming, but you're going, I just, gotta get, I just gotta get through the next thing. And in your life, especially as it pertains to spiritual things, you're just kind of like, yeah, they go, hello, hello angels, and Mr. Gardner, I just, I, got, I just, I don't have time for, I just gotta get going. I mean, think about this, Mary has angels in front of her, Jesus Christ himself is behind her, and yet all she feels is pain. Right? That's the emotional fog that sometimes we experience in just the hardness of life. The one she is looking for is right there, and yet she feels abandoned. So the fog of her emotions is preventing her from seeing that God is right there with her. And I just want you to know, if your life has been hard lately, that God is there. And I just want you to know that even right here in this room, God is here. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Yeah, God is here. And to many of you, I just say, look up. Look up from maybe the fog of your emotion. Look up from the fog of your pain. God is here. Jesus is alive. He wants you to know him, to hear him to walk with him. But there's another reason I believe that Mary doesn't realize that it's Jesus standing right beside her. And I'm gonna call this, uh, number two, an intellectual misunderstanding. So it's not clicking for Mary that Jesus is standing right behind her because, well, I mean, just rationally and logically, how could he be? I mean, in Mary's defense, before we say, how did you not know this was Jesus? She's thinking, I just watched him die on the cross. So like how, I mean, I get that the gardener looks just like him, but I just saw him die on the cross. So how in the world could it be Jesus? That's just not possible. It's like, you ever see like your neighbor or a coworker at like a really random place? Like you see them at the grocery store or the airport or like a twins game and you totally know them and you know their name but you see them in that random place and you're like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you forget their name. Like, well, what in the world is that? Your brain is having this intellectual misunderstanding where it's looking at that person and going, they're not supposed to be in that spot. And so Mary wasn't expecting Jesus to be here and yet he was. And maybe you weren't expecting the risen Jesus to be here. And yet he is. He's alive. And he wants you to know him and follow him. And then look at the question that Jesus asked her. This is kind of interesting. You see, look at verse 15. Jesus says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? He doesn't say what. He doesn't say, well, what's, where's the body Who is it? Jesus is essentially saying, Mary, see, you aren't aren't really truly understanding who I am. I, I am not just a teacher. 
I'm not just some sage, I'm not just some healer or prophet, I'm the son of God who rose from the dead, just like I said I would. And if, you, if you're just looking for like the dead body of a friend or a nice teacher, then you actually have an intellectual misunderstanding of who I really am. You're not looking for the real me. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you came here and you thought, okay, here comes that guy on stage. Now I'm going to hear some sort of message about how Jesus... Uh, this historical figure gave like a, a bunch of moral lessons to us to love each other and be nice, but now he's dead. I, if you're looking for that Jesus, you won't find him. He doesn't exist. The real Jesus described in this book is the son of God who rose from the dead and is alive today. Okay, so Mary has all these misunderstandings, but how does she actually figure it out? Like what, what snaps her to reality? to truth. Okay, this is verse 16. And verse 16, it says, Jesus said to her, Mary. And then instantly, she recognizes that this is Jesus. But what did it? What woke her up to the truth? It was when Jesus said her name. He said her name. Actually, if you read um, through this story in the original language that it was written, so uh, the New Testament was written in Greek. If you, if you read through it in Greek, all throughout the passage in John chapter uh, 20, uh, leading up to this moment, every time the author John refers to Mary, he refers to her as Maria in Greek. That's Mary in Greek. But when Jesus says her name, John wants you to know that Jesus actually spoke to her differently. He spoke to her personally, and so when Jesus says her name, he says her full name, her Hebrew name, her Aramaic name, and he doesn't say Maria, he says Mariam, Mariam. And see, so it was all the way up to that point that her eyes had failed her, but her ears could not mistake the sound of that voice saying her name. And that, that sound and the memory of it, it, it takes her back. It's like a song taking you back to a core memory of your life. And I'm sure just the sound of his voice saying her name took her back to when Jesus found her in her mess and would have said something like, Mariam, you're free. Mariam, you're forgiven. It isn't just the sound of his voice. It's the fact that he says her name, her full name. Because especially your full name, right, that's connected deep to who you are and your origins and your history. I kind of think of it this way. It would be like, okay, if in your life, let's just say your life got messy and you messed up and you feel alone and confused. And so you decide that you're gonna go home and you're gonna see your father. And I say your father's alive and he's a good, good, amazing father. And let's also say in this story that you go by a nickname. Maybe your friends call you Jen, or you're a guy they call you Ben. But when you come home to your dad, to your father with tears in your eyes and you say, dad, I messed up. I just, I messed up. When he looks at you, with love in his eyes. He's not gonna say Jen or Ben. He's gonna say, 
Jennifer, Benjamin, come here. I love you. I love you. And you just, you just know in that moment, when your father says your name like that, there's something embedded in that truth that you know that he's known you from your first second. From the time that name was given to you. And that love is just sort of different. It's unconditional. See, that, that is what's happening here at the tomb. And it happens when Jesus says her name. Because this man speaking, Jesus, isn't just a man. He's the son of God. And see, he has known you from your first second. And it's not just that he's known you from your first second. It's that, in fact, he has known you all of your seconds. You know, sometimes I think our parents can even get an idealized view of us because they haven't seen us at our worst. So the thing about Jesus is he's seen you from your first second and all of your seconds, and he has seen us at our worst. The things we wish nobody even knew about, he knows about. He saw the worst of my sins, the worst of your sins. And yet, the main reason that Jesus Christ came to earth, the Bible says, was to come and die on the cross for your sins in your place. In fact, let me show you one of my favorite Bible verses. I'll just put it on the screen. It's John chapter one, verse 12. It says, yet to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, so all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, to those who believed, to become children of God. So what that means is, if you believe in Jesus for who he truly actually is, not just like a dead teacher from long ago, but the risen son of God, the savior. If you believe in him, he will save you, forgive you, and welcome you into his family. This is kind of the core essence. If you're just kind of beginning to explore Christianity or it's been kind of unfamiliar to you maybe since your childhood, let me sum it up for you in about 25 seconds. This is essentially the main teaching of this. It's that you and I, we're not perfect, right? Which I hope that you know, right? If, if you think you're perfect, uh, I don't even know what to say. Okay, we, we mess up, right? We sin, and God is a just God, and for our sin, there must be justice. But the Bible says, if you receive Jesus, you believe he died for you through your faith, what that does is, if you imagine kind of sin all over you, it moves that off of you and onto Jesus on the cross, so that now when God looks at you, or that when you die, and we all will meet God for judgment, which is a crazy thing to think about, but it's true, if you have put your faith in Jesus and your sin was borne by him on the cross, then God will look at you and say, not guilty, forgiven, clean, and free. Come into my presence in heaven. But if we don't do that, we don't receive him, we don't believe in that, then all of those sins are still on us. And God is a just and good judge. And so there must be justice. And then instead of being forgiven and going to heaven, we would then spend eternity in hell because justice must happen. And so that's why every week we're telling people, I pray that you would receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and let him pay for your sins and forgive you. And I just pray for some of you in this room that you are just hearing Jesus say your name. I just pray that your heart is just beating heavy in your chest right now because he's just been calling you even the last 10 minutes that he's saying, Michael, 
Are you saying Samantha, Christopher, Sarah, I want you. I want you to follow me. Come to me. I created you from your first breath for me, not for this world. You won't find life out in this world. I created you for me, and I came and I died for you. Come now. This is your purpose. Come now and follow me. And some of you, you hear that and you go, I don't know if I can because I am Jesus, I am messy. And I kind of, I just need to clean myself up a little bit before I would get in your presence and come to you. I'm just telling you, if you haven't read this yet, that's not what it says. It says you come to Jesus first and he cleans you up. Mary Magdalene was a mess. Whatever she did to get in that situation she was in, she was a mess. But she just believes in Jesus and he does the work to change her life. So you just start with that. You just receive him. It is the most amazing gift in the world, but you have to make a choice to open it, to be forgiven and let him in and change your life. And I want to give some of you just a chance to even make that decision right now since we're here talking about it. So let's do this. Would just everybody in the room, would you just humor me for a minute? Would you just even close your eyes? Or maybe even bow your head. And I just want to give some of you an opportunity to do this, to receive Jesus in as your savior, as it says, and your leader. And so if over the last couple of minutes you've just been hearing him in your heart and your heart is beating, you're going, this is what I need. I need forgiveness. I've sinned against God. I need forgiveness. I want him to be my savior, my leader. I want to follow him. Because that's what this is. It's not just, I believe I'm forgiven and then on with my life. It's grabbing his hand as your leader and saying, I'm following you now. If you died for me, I'm following you now. And so if you just need to make this key decision, the most important decision of your life, to be forgiven, to follow him, accept his gift of eternal life, what I'm gonna ask you to do in just a second is actually to stand up where you are. Now, people's eyes are closed, so don't, don't be thinking about that. No one's looking at you, but I just find that sometimes in life, we just need that line in the sand moment where we say, yeah, it's today. I'm gonna stop running, and I'm gonna believe that he died for me. And I'm going to accept his forgiveness and receive him in as my leader and my Lord. And so if you need to do that to be forgiven, to follow him, experience this amazing gift of salvation from Jesus, I'm just going to ask you, if that's you, would you just quietly stand wherever you're at and receive that amazing gift from Jesus? Go ahead if that's you. Wherever you are in this room, God has just been speaking to your heart, pursuing you. Would you just stand for him and say, God, it's me. I need that in my life. I surrender to you. Take my life. Anyone in here who needs that today? All right, amen. Anyone else? I'll give you another five or 10 seconds. If he's pursuing you, I bet you can feel it. I bet you know it. Would you just respond to him? There's nothing like him. Anyone else who needs that, would you just stand? All right, for those of you that have made this choice, we want to pray together. The Bible says that when you get in this moment, that we pray. We believe in our hearts, it says. We confess with our mouths. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer. 
And what I want you to do is actually repeat this out loud after me, whether you just made this decision or if you made this decision years ago, but you believe this, would you just repeat this out loud after me? Dear God, I confess to you that I have sinned against you. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to take my place. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with my life. Uh, as everyone has their eyes closed, just for one more a second, for those of you that stood, uh, I believe that you made the most important decision of your life. And when you make a decision of that sort of magnitude, you want to know what to do next, what are next steps. And so what I want to do is I want to get you, just for a couple minutes, just some key information so you know and resources, what do I do? now that I wanna follow Jesus. So I'm gonna pray in a second, and as I pray, what I want you to do is actually sneak out of your row into the lobby, and I will meet you out there in just a second along with our follow-up team. Others will be getting up, follow-up team will be getting up, so you're not gonna be the only person walking out, and then you'll be able to come back in the service uh, in just a few minutes. But this is just a key thing, and honestly, if you didn't stand, but over the last 30 seconds you're going, oh, I should have stood, <laughs> would you just come out too, and we will just, we'll get you started in walking with Jesus, okay? All right, so I'm gonna pray, and as I pray, you can head out. We'll meet you right when you walk out the doors, okay? All right, you can go. Dear God, thank you for what you're doing, uh, for lives uh, saved and lives changed uh, through our first couple services. And Lord, we just pray, God, that you would use these new lives, that you would be with them as they begin and learn to walk with you. And we just thank you that you are alive and that you rose from the dead and that you conquered death and that you've allowed sinners like us someday to do the same. In your name we pray. Amen.